Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and change makers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. I am so excited to have Jeremy Velalobos, COO from Orchest, and they are basically our connectivity platform, highly automated, orchestratable. And Jeremy, welcome to the show of Executives at the Edge. And I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit more, more about Orchest. Thank you, Pascal. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm Jeremy Villalobos, Chief Operating Officer for Orchest, previously known as Gold Connect. Uh, we're a connectivity service provider in Latin America. Uh, basically, we're supporting global carriers through the wholesale business from Mexico all the way down to Chile and Argentina, presence in every country. And uh, what makes us different is our automation business model. We created a platform which is Orcas Latam, and basically our clients are able to go into the platform, quote, uh, perform fixability analysis on the last mile, uh, uh, basically quote all the suite of connectivity services from Ethernet, MPLS, uh, dedicated internet access, Cloud Connect, DC Express, which is a on-demand uh, capacity for the first time available in Latin America, and, and many more features, installation, uh, monitoring of the services in real time, tech support. Uh, so basically, we're disrupting the traditional standards in Latin America from a very old, not old, but uh, I will say very slow uh, processes to a more efficient, leaner, and, and transparent support into the clients. So basically, they come, your other providers that want to get to LATAM come to you. Exactly. And then you represent what's what's available in that region. That's correct. Because we, you, I like to aggregate all the different other operators, get price quotes, what, what kind of services are available, and things like that. Is that that's correct. correct. We, we have our own network. We have more than 75 POPs throughout the region. Wow. We have more than uh, 19 subsea cables interconnected to, to our network uh, because of diversity into the network. We want to provide, uh, we have multiple POPs in, in every single country for diversity. Uh, so we basically want to give them the menu of options for them to choose. Uh, we automated through our platform more than 157 carriers from Latin America that are interconnected with us locally. So basically, when we perform the technical feasibility analysis, we can tell the client which vendors go into the building. The platform doesn't discriminate if we're using our network or if we're using a third party. The objective is to find 100% of the time a solution for our clients. That is really incredible. That is really exceptional because it's really needed, especially in that town, where there's so many operators and so many possibilities and variables. That's awesome. So look... What are some of the biggest challenges in that time today operating network and what are the roles of automation and APIs to resolve some of them? That's that's a great question because uh, we have been embracing automation for the last four years and we're running into the issue that it's not sustainable in time to be the only ones embracing automation in Latin America. Unfortunately, automation adoption in LATAM is very low. I will say I don't know, about 1% of the carriers are embracing or utilizing some form of API in the region. And for us to be automating our partners' network data infrastructure, 
you have to refresh that data every every once in a while. You know, right now we have 157. We may go to 300, 400. You know, we're not stopping adding new carriers. So to refresh that data is not sustainable in time. You know, you're going to run into uh, discrepancies eventually. So the, the final goal is for all these carriers to embrace automation, treat their data independently, and then we API with each other. So instead of me taking care of 300, 400 different network data, uh, because at the end of the day, it's about treating the data. So the, the final objective is to have more carriers embracing automation where we can API with each other and then everyone is taking care of their own data. Like a federation. Exactly. Versus right now you're an aggregator to them. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest challenges that I see for the LATAM carriers is uh, the, the, many of them, uh, 20 plus years, embracing, well, they had legacy systems in place. You know, when you when you talk about uh, shifting your business model into automation, you got to also adopt more efficient technologies to run your business. So to migrate all these legacy systems into more linear technologies is a huge challenge for these companies. So they're in like hitting a wall where even if they wanted to, it's a big challenge for them, you know, and, and, and that that's that's where I'm seeing the friction or the pushback from many carriers to fully embrace automation. Of course, they can do API and have some price list and basic data, you know. But at the end of the day, that's not what we what we're aiming for in the long term. You know, that's a short term solution, you know. And 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 I believe a new generation of carriers are being born, you know, just like we are. You know, yes, we are 20 years old in the industry, but we had the chance to reinvent ourselves uh, two years ago. So it was a perfect opportunity for us to say, okay, uh, this is a, a, a scratch. Let's start from zero. Let's build up the business the way we should do it, considering all the available technologies that we have today. And how's that working? Amazing. You know, we're streamlining all the business processes. You know, we're re we remove all the bottlenecks. Uh, in sales in our business, 48% of the, 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 their time, they're spending introducing opportunities on a CRM, on the sales teams. Sales engineers are working, uh, performing technical feasibility analysis into what is feasible or not into a building. You know, sales engineers, they should be working on creating solutions, creating topologies, you know, brainstorming new innovative solutions for the clients. Sales should be selling, you know, talking to clients. They shouldn't be spending 48% of their time into a CRM, and, and, and that's a reality for every telco in our industry. Wow. So when you embrace automation, you remove bottlenecks, you know, and, and, and your, your organization is becoming more efficient, and they're focusing on the real aspects of the business. So why is automation only 1% in the region? I will say, you know, I will go back to, to the point that I was mentioning, you know, the, the, the legacy systems. Uh, you know, you got big carriers that have been dominating the Latam region for a long time. And when you see the customer experience, you know, customers are waiting month for a quotation, installation process goes 120 days. That's crazy. It's, it's, we're not there. That's in the past, you know. Uh, customers are begging, they're uh, asking for a extremely uh, good customer experience and automation is the only way to achieve that. Uh, absolutely, 100%. So, hey, change the topic. Um, 
there seems to be a lot of talk about network as a service. And, you know, we at MEF are also launching out a network as a service blueprint. We've talked about this. And so how do you see NAS having a big impact in LATAM? So NAS, uh, I will say it's halfway in LATAM. Uh, it's been adopted very well in other regions like Europe, the U.S., obviously, because automation is uh, more developed th than in our region. But uh, we recently, for example, launched on-demand capacity between data centers in, in, the, in the region. Uh, the objective is to continue offering you know, those on-demand services that basically are flexible in terms of contract. You know, there is not a contract involved. Uh, connectivity to the cloud. So we're seeing more and more uh, those type of solutions available in the in the in the Latin market. But again, you go back to automation because you know NAS is 100% automation. Yeah, 100%. It's SDN. You know, you gotta have a SDN solution in place over your network. You, you gotta have a different components that basically enable you to offer those type of solutions. So NAS covers multiple aspects. You know, it's not just network as a service. You know. Just like the standard from MEF uh, clearly explain it, but uh, you know, as we start growing the automation adoption into the region, you know, you're gonna see more players moving into NAS. You know, we're seeing players from other region coming into LATAM offering those solutions. But at the same, but 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 also it's important to keep those solutions within LATAM. You know, for example, the cloud connectivity is important that we're connecting the clients to the to the hubs in Latin America. So you need expertise from LATAM to, in order to make that happen, you know, where you have better latency to the clients and, and so on. So yes, it's good that other players from other regions are coming into LATAM with that value proposition, you know, because they're pushing the envelope in the region. But at the end of the day, it's about the LATAM players, you know, jumping on board, understanding the final goal and the benefit for the business, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's about the better customer experience. Yeah. So just to confirm network as a service, you said on demand, you mean mainly the ability to scale up and down on demand the network bandwidth. Yes, that's correct. But what we're talking about in MAF is also adding security as part of that. That's Do correct. Do you also mean part of the security or just the network? I mean, I mean part of the security. Uh, the final goal is to have everything on one shop. You know, you, you're seeing independent players tackling uh, a single aspect of the, of the solution. So uh, the, the end goal is to have, you know, that one-stop shop where clients can basically tackle all the different needs into one single service provider. Got it. So talking about NAS and automation as being the must-have, well, what is important for the future of NATAM, LATAM region? We already kind of touched it a little bit, but what, what do you think is the role of MEF to play in this, in this transformation? So in, in this region specifically, I I believe MEF is a perfect platform, you know, because MEF is uh, is a neutral organization. You know, you guys are creating standards. You know, MEF plays a fundamental role in our industry, not only for Europe, the U.S., but I believe for the future of Latin America. Uh, the reason that we joined MEF and I'm personally involved with MEF is because I believe the Latin region needs a, a big push. It's not a small push, it's a big push. Push, big push, big push. So yeah, sure. uh, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm aiming to see more Latin players joining MEF. You know, it's, it's, it's not about us being the only ones, you know, 
participating in all these projects, you know, envisioning, you know, the future of LATAM if we don't have more players from the business side getting involved with MEF. You know, yeah, it's good to see some technical guys, you know, joining the different uh, sessions, but it's about the business. Business is the one that really drive forward, you know, the, the, the decisions on, on, on their particular organizations. So my personal goal is to really help MEF, you know, increase the level of service providers from LATAM participating in MEF, you know, understanding the different options available because, you know, maybe they think that MEF is just uh, API, you know, but there's so many other things that they can understand uh, and, and, and actually the right players are within MEF to make those decisions and make them happen through the way. You know, if you need, I don't know, a blockchain player, you know, you got three and four and different guys to choose in here. So it's not only about what you guys can offer, but also the community within MEF to really take any organization to the next level and guide them through the right path to embrace automation. And you actually, for that, you've taken on the co-chair role of the automation part of the committees in MEF. That's correct. So part of your vision and your mission is to change the region to be highly automated. That's correct. And it probably seems like a passion of yours. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I know it's a, it's a long-term goal, uh, but it, th- th- we need a starting point. And, and I believe that starting point was, you know, when we started pushing LATAM, you know, we had the, the Miami members meeting, you know, where we did some focus on the LATAM region. <clears throat> and, I, and I'm seeing more people understanding from LATAM what we're trying to accomplish with the MEF, you know, because we're, they're seeing what we're doing. You know, from us, we got to keep making noise on everything, the results, you know, the possibilities, you know, how the customers are benefiting from this. You know, at the end of the day, I don't want to be the only one. Yes, I'm four years ahead of everyone else. But at the end of the day, it's about everyone having their own automated business because that's the future. It's not sustainable to be, uh, to, to be performing the way we are, you know, with our clients. However, I was in the region in a conference at um, Mexico Connect. And I've also talked to a lot of LATAM operators, and I've talked to a lot of South, you know, Asian operators, and, all. and there is a sense of mentality that I can just use people to automate. Like in other words, it's it's, it's obviously not correct, but it's so inexpensive that for provisioning and so on, I, people can do that, you know, through traditional CLIs and scripts. Um, I, obviously, it's it's an old school thinking. But they just think from a cost point of view, why should I invest all of this money in automation when I can just continue using the old process of people? What's your thoughts on that? Is that is that just a an old school thinking and not understanding that the world of automation and cloud go together? And, and... I believe if I believe it's a little bit of denial and 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 uh, some unknown territory when you're talking about automation. I believe. Uh, digital transformation, because at the end of the day, automation is is digital transformation. Part you need it, to yeah. transform your yeah. business, change the way you're doing things. You know, and 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 when they think about changing their business 100%, they see they think like I'm I'm just gonna go crazy. And uh, how are, are we gonna do this? So it is important to explain that this digital transformation doesn't need to be done at once. You know. It's just starting by departments, by business processes, you know, maybe tackle a specific area of the business where you're identifying incredible bottlenecks on the business. Uh, fix that, you know, see the benefits and then move on. 
and 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 evolve your business little by little, uh, little by little, and 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 don't think about digital transformation like a, a massive change into the organization that you need to perform in one year. No, you know it has to be a step by step, you know, learning curve, you know, understanding, teaching the organization. And when you, the moment you realize you have a 50% transformation of your business, you know, with that mentality, you know, because you're understanding, you're walking the path with your teams and they are understanding what, what, it, what needs to be done and the benefits. So uh, a transformation is needed, you know, and, and those old school processes is just, I believe in my opinion, is a denial. And, uh, but, but that's why we need to keep pushing the message and the benefits of what's been done, you know, why are we getting this result? So it's, it's, it's uh, evangelizing, you know, the, the, what can be done in a different way. Did you build your own business systems and VSS systems and, and orchestration system on your own or did you go to a third party vendor and so build? we, we started with third parties, uh, because we didn't want to reinvent the wheel in Latin America, yeah. but we understood that the wheel didn't exist in Latin America, you know, because many of these tasks that we wanted to accomplish, no one was doing it before, you know, like for example, performing a technical feasibility analysis on a last mile. You, you needed, we needed to create an algorithm using different aspects of data, uh, utilizing artificial intelligence, big data to process the incredible amount of data that we have in the back and at the end of the day, no one was doing that, not even in Europe and, and the U.S. And the, 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 the problem with Latin America is that you got different infrastructures uh, in, per country, you got different regulations, you got a uh, different way of doing things. So, uh, and, and, and Latin was always, you know, that subject to feasibility analysis, you know, and then from that, you can go three months later. So we wanted to tackle that. So we brought we created a team of developers and we start creating these technologies. It took us four years. Uh, it, it didn't happen from, from two months, you know. It was a, a lot of walls hitting, you know, a lot of frustration, but we were determined, you know, to find a solution to a problem that we knew it, it, it needed a solution, so. Interesting, very yeah. interesting. And then we, we jump into the installation process, you know, we, we basically show the installation process to the client, like they order a pizza, uh, once the installation is done, you know, they can click on each one of the tasks associated to the installation. Then the service goes into production and then clients can see the performance of their services in real time. They can see the traffic, the latency, everything associated to the service. Uh, if something goes wrong, the, the platform sends an alarm, uh, detecting abnormal behavior on the traffic. Something goes wrong, a ticket is automatically open. So we were able to automate the entire customer experience from the quoting all the way to the tech support. And it was by, you know, jumping one aspect at a time. You know, we started with the quoting, we, 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 we made it, let's automate the installation process. We did it, now I wanna show the, you know, the performance of the service to our clients. So it's not like we did, okay, we're gonna do all these. No, we went one by one, and now we have a fully automated business. Yeah, and I think that's really what a lot of the providers are struggling with is how do I get on the journey? How do I chunk it down? Mm. And I think that's really what the education has to be about. But change the topic. How do you see SASE developing the LATAM? I mean, SASE is really hot. Everybody's talking about it. Um, you know, so that, that, you know, the cybersecurity we talked about, that NAS part to it. Mm. Um, how do you think SASE and the LATAM region will play out? 
So I I see Latam well Latam is always uh five years delay. Uh I will say five to six years delay from everyone else. You know, SAS is something that is being adopted in the US, in Europe. Uh Latam is like watching what's happening, you know, you still don't see any zero trust uh uh rules, security rules on the on the Latam region, you know, you still see players adopting SD1, uh, a lot of MPLS is still being deployed in Latin America. So you got to understand also what's happening in Latin America before we think about SASE, because it's like they are still walking the path, the old path, you know, MPLS is still being deployed in Latin America. You know, that uh, SD1 is still, you know, some customers are deploying, they're testing how the, the, the waters work in Latin America, because again, we go back to the different infrastructures, availability that you got in Latam. Um, obviously, and then you have different profiles of clients. You got the big enterprises, you know, the MNCs that are already adopting SASE in other regions. So they say, okay, why not? Let's do the same in, in Latam. Uh, but then you have the local, the, 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 the MNCs, the Latam MNCs, uh, their, their presence is within Latin America. They don't, they don't know about the technology. They don't know about, you know, the, the limits uh, between the, the old legacy and, 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 and the new opportunities that you can do through SASE. So it's interesting times. You know, I believe LATAM is watching the success stories, you know, the, the use case from other regions and see how that fits into the LATAM model. Uh, we're definitely evaluating SASE in our offering. We want to be ready when, when LATAM is ready. Uh, and, and it's one of the things that we're evaluating through MEF, you know, because, you know, we saw all the different players that are working SASE uh, successfully and we're talking to them to see how we can bring those, you know, use cases into the Latin American region. Yeah, that's excellent. And, and I think it's, a, it's really, really needed as cybersecurity continues to be a very top of mind of everybody. Uh, Cybercrime is reading somewhere it's going to go to $15 trillion over the next five or seven years of is, you know, it's a massive economy. And, um, you know, I think cloud security is, is the answer mm -hmm. uh, because people can work from anywhere and, and they're going to have to work from anywhere. You're going to have to secure uh, not just the perimeters in your buildings, but in wherever you go. So, yeah. But just, just just to give you an idea, I, uh, I, I, I did the, the cloud data center strategy for a carrier in Latin. That was five years ago. And we were basically offering, you know, cloud. You know, first, they thought it was really in the clouds. Second, they thought that if you have the server under your desk and you can see the blink light, they thought it was secure, you know, because it was here, you know, no one's going to take it from me. So that's the level of understanding of the region of this type of technology. That was five years ago with cloud. So imagine all these technicalities that we're talking about SASE and everything and the scope of SASE, it's... We, we gotta be patient with uh with, with the Latin region on that aspect. Well, I think it's not just Latin; it's many many other parts of the world that's suffering from this technology wave that is so fast. Mm -hmm. um, it's just mind blowing, mind blowing how fast these technology waves come in, and 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 it's just hard to grapple with because everything's virtualized now, and it's it's all interconnected in some way, and automation, and APIs, and software, and you know it's not the old days where it's just transport. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Anyways, um, look, there's a lot of talk about blockchain. So Orcus is involved in multiple initiatives around, you know, MEF's blockchain initiatives that we're working on. What role do you see blockchain playing in the industry? 
So we 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 see blockchain has the the new bridge into new possibilities uh, for our for our industry. Uh, uh, we're actually working on on a project called Wolftown, which is for SLA assurance. Uh, you know, blockchain uh, smart contracts within blockchain plays a, a huge role. You know, you can have multiple parties agreeing on a specific terms, and then the blockchain basically enforce those agreements. In the wholesale business, we got, we got the SLAs, you know. Um, in, in my organization, when we deal with a credit, it's because we got a credit request from our clients. So, okay, so we, I got to do a credit request with my vendor. So I asked my team, how many, how many credit requests are we doing proactively without knowing that our clients are asking for it? You know, there were zero. So how much money are we leaving on the table because we're not asking for credit requests on when, when services are not performing according to SLA. You know, how, how, how much can we really enforce and raise the bar of service, service quality assurance? You know, because when you do SLA assurance, you're also doing service quality verification. So you're raising also the bar of the quality of the services, you know. But if you're not getting credit requests, you're basically on a conference zone where, you know, I don't need to fix anything, everything is working fine. But, you know, by automating basically the SLA assurance, you know, where you can get a credit report of all the services that didn't perform according to the SLA, you know, and then you can send that to the to the to the vendor. So the the ultimate goal is to have multiple parties involved in the project. Right now we're collaborating with Sparkle. Uh, we buy from a Sparkle, so there is a use case that we can um, utilize to 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 see how it works, but the final goal is to have multiple vendors, you know, involved within the network where we can enforce SLA with each other. You know, because at the end of the day, we do business with PCCW, with Cold, uh, Sparkle. You know, most of the MEF members, you know, we do business with each other. So, what if we are interacting within the blockchain, you know, to enforce each other's SLA and make sure that we are basically keep, keeping each other's accountable? On, on what we agree that our services will perform on a specific time frame. Uh, and another problem with that is that all this SLA enforcement is being done manually. So how much human resources are we dedicating for this? You know, for me, we're not, we're not a thousands employee company, but I know the big guys, you know, remind how, mo how much work that requires, you know, on a manual work to be one by one, Okay, ninety nine point five. You know, so okay, it's five percent of the. It's 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 an incredible amount of work. That's why, that's why no one is doing it. You know, because it's a lot of work. So if we are able to automate that aspect of the, of the business, you know, uh, we can dedicate us the human resources into more important aspect of the business, and then we can keep accountable each other's in terms of the performance of the network. Uh, also, we're working with ITN identity verification which is important too it goes back to the smart contract you wanna you wanna make sure that the identities within the the, the smart contracts are validated within the network so the, the, there there are very good use cases going on uh, in MEF. Uh right now they're showcase but the objective is to you know make them a reality in the long term and bring on more players into into the initiative yeah and Specifically around SLAs, I mean, it's a very good use case. I think also the ability to do, to be able to do uh, invoicing and settlements also very important because as you go to on-demand services, 
you want to be able to change resources. And that's going to take more than, you know, to change the resources, you're going to have to have a single source of truth that this happened and build upon it versus auditing how they do it today. Yeah. Because because today, you know, they just contract a circuit a cert for per month and that's it. But if you try to change that, it's hard to settle on that. But I think the SLA one is a pretty low-hanging fruit. Mm. And I think for that, though, I think the MEF interlude APIs of the work that the SOM is working on, uh, Source OEM, will have to play into that. Yeah. Because you'll have to feed the service OEM parts into the blockchain through the smart contract to look at how well things are performing, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. And going back to what you mentioned before about the, the, the resources, it's important for people to understand that automation, blockchain, is not to remove humans from the equation. It's to make those humans more efficient on what they do. I know? totally agree, 100%. It's, it's about removing bottlenecks. It's about removing uh, uh, inefficient work, you know, administrative work. We're removing all that, and we're giving efficiency and focus to the organization on, on, on aspects that really need the human attention. I always tell our clients, we, we didn't create this platform to remove the human interaction. It's to make that interaction more efficient and to allow each one of the members of our organization to focus on the real work that they need to do. Yeah, and that's a very good point because you saw some layoffs with you know Microsoft and Amazon and, and Google, and Google and Microsoft said, hey, they're focusing more to AI. And so they're removing, they're not, they didn't remove any people from the cloud side. If you look at it, it's mainly from other areas of that were very manually oriented. Mm. Um, and now they can use AI to solve them. But I think the answer is it's not removing people by machines. It's putting machines to automate and get more optimization, more better experiences, but then taking those people and using them in more efficient ways. And that's your point. It's, it's about removing the manual work. Yeah. And we're, you know, it's like the factory line assembler, you know, those are gone now by machine. But you take those people and you train them in other areas that they're really going to be making more money at. and much more higher skills. Exactly. Right. And, and I at think the end of the day, point. you have a, the productivity on your organization goes yes. off the roof. Exactly. And the skill set increases with your workforce, exactly. which is critical. And people is happy. Yeah, you know? exactly. No one wants to be, you know, connected to a computer doing administrative work. Of course. It's just time consuming, you know, they get frustrated, you know, because it's day after day after day after day and it, they get burned out. So Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And always very grateful for all your contributions and for the work you lead in the in our automation committee called our LSO committee. So very grateful you're co-chairing that. And uh, it's been very educational and formidable for me. I'm sure to our listeners too. So thank you very much. Thank you, Pascal. Thank you for having me.